We're back. I'm Drew McGarry. And I'm David Roth. And uh, coming in September 2020, a new site we have built together called... Defector. Defector, and we're going to have a new podcast to go with it. This very podcast, which has the name... The Distraction. It's out right now, and it's available everywhere else you get your podcast. At Stitcher, Spotify, Apple. Go listen right now to The Distraction everywhere. It's out right now. Go listen. See ya. Bye. I can legitimately say fatherhood made me a way better husband. Deadass. Yo, deadass. I agree with that. Deadass. And if you told me that I was going to have a whole baby in a blow-up pool in our bedroom, (laughs) I'd have told you, hell no. But you did it. I did it. Deadass. Deadass. Hey, I'm Kadeen. And I'm DeVal. And we're the Ellis's. You may know us from posting funny videos with our boys. And reading each other publicly as a form of therapy. Wait, I make you need therapy? Most days. Wow. (laughs) Oh, and one more important thing to mention. We're married. Yes, sir, we Mm -hmm. are. We created this podcast to open dialogue about some of life's most taboo topics. Things most folks don't want to talk about. Through the lens of a millennial married couple. Deadass is a term that we say every day. When we say deadass, we're actually saying facts. 100. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. <laughs> we about to take Pillow Talk to a whole new level. Deadass starts now. I remember one time in particular, I was taking Jackson to school, and this was when you and I were having an argument in the morning. Mm-hmm. And me and Jackson, that's our time in the morning. The two of us, we have our handshake. We're, we don't even listen to the radio so much. We just talk, and I prepare him, right? And he was getting ready for first grade, you know, so... We were on our way to school, and we had done this. This was probably about in November. So we had had our routine already. And we're on our way to school, and there's no music playing, and it's just quiet. Because you and I was arguing that morning. Yes. And I didn't feel like talking to nobody. I was just trying to regroup from the argument we had. And Jackson is just quiet. Right. And he normally asks a bunch of questions, but I could tell he was quiet. He could sense that something was happening. He heard us debating. And typically, we try to not argue in front of the children, but this was one of those moments where it's like he had to get to school. We were in transit. Like, I was getting him ready. You were trying to get him out the door. So he overheard, of course, what we were arguing about. So for me, I was like, let me just focus on getting him to school so that I can come back and we can finish discussing what we were talking about. Mm -hmm. So we get to school, and we were a little bit late. Because you and I were arguing, so we didn't get a chance to do our handshake. And he he pulled, we pull up, and Jack's like, hey, Dad, we got to do our handshake. I'm like, yo, you got to get out. You got to go to school. So then he just looked at me. Then he jumped out, went and got to school. Right. And I envy you guys' handshake. It's really cute. Yeah, we got out. We got our handshake. <laughs> they have a whole routine. So he gets out, goes to school. Now, you and I talk. Mm-hmm. Everything is over. We don't, you know, everything is fine. We're not even more focused on it. And I always pick Jackson up from school. So this day, same day, I go to school. I go to pick Jackson up. And he normally runs out full speed, comes and jumps in my arms. And today the door opens and he's one of the last to come out and he just walks out. And I'm like, what's up, bro? What's, what's the matter? How was school? And he looked at me and he said, Daddy, are you still mad at me? No. And at that point, all I could think was, Wow. How like how did I like I must be the worst person in the world. Yeah. You only have one job as a parent and that's to make sure that your children are prepared mm-hmm. to be as successful and productive as they can be. So you know his little self was definitely at school all day. All day. And that's Jackson's personality in general. Like he's such a like caring, sensitive Yo. kid. So I know he was at school thinking all day daddy is probably mad at me. And I was so 
I was so hurt because I was like, yo, that here I am. Too. It really had nothing to do with him at all. Right. But he spent all day in school, mm-hmm. six, seven hours thinking, what did I do to make daddy mad at me? No one had nothing to do with him. And it was at that point that I realized that I have to change the way I project what I'm going through on the people around me. Somebody's sleeping in our bed. Sleeping in our bed, baby. Baby, our bed. Somebody's taking my place. Hey, baby. Mm-hmm. Mad baby. Somebody's sleeping <laughs> in my bed. Oh, my God. And you. Oh my God! Just what, what I mean, man. Babies in the <laughs> bed. We got babies sleeping in our yeah, bed, y'all. We got babies everywhere. We got there's babies everywhere in Jesus, our bed. There's feet, so feet in the face. So sleeping crossways, sideways. We call our kids uh, kung fu pandas because yes. they literally. Like, sleep like they're doing karate. First of all, shout out to True Hill because I don't think you knew when you were making that song, you was making that song about our life as millennial as parents. As parents. All the right. Kids all in the damn bed. Right. And today we're talking about kids. Did yes. kids change us for better or for worse? So so give me a way you think that the, the kids have changed your life, like, or our lives. It can be either. Um, One one thing that I'm, I definitely know for sure, especially with my three boys, is that they've taught me how to be careful of what I project. Mm. Because when you're when you're dating someone, they're an adult and you you know, you're like, oh she's a grown up, I'm a grown up, she can handle it, blah, 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 blah. When you have children, they literally learn everything in their life by watching you. Right. So I've become very careful of of the energies I projected in the household as soon as I walk in. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Regardless of so, what's going on in your day or your world or with us. Absolutely. Yeah. I've learned that when I walk in the house, I am not going to bring the outside world into my home mm-hmm. because my kids have nothing to do with the outside world. So no matter how upset I am about my gym, my agent, my manager, my family, whatever else is going on, so when I come in the house, I'm going to have a smile on my face and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let the children receive me and with that energy. Mm-hmm. Because that energy that I bring in the house, and I learned this, that carries from day to day. When I used to walk in and I'd have a bad day, I, I noticed the kids would be very quiet. Mom, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They wouldn't be around. Mm-hmm. I would hear whispers in the kitchen. Daddy was, mommy was wrong with daddy. And I'm just like, nothing is wrong with me. I had a bad day. Like, why can't people just come around? And, you know, like, you, I realized early that my energy is really what starts the house's energy yeah. as the father. Yep. So I have to kind of remove that before I walk in and come in right. with a clear conscience and let the energy be what it is. Yeah, which is so hard to do sometimes because you're human. You're it's, human yeah, it's being, very and hard. It, and it, it's hard sometimes to have to be able to turn that switch on. You yeah, know? it's so hard. It's really hard. Um, I don't know. Something that comes to mind for me when I think about how the kids have changed me Um Doing what we do, you know, mm-hmm. being on social media, having to produce content at this point, um, being content creators, I have to remember to live and be present in the moment more. Okay. I had an example, for example, we had this incident one time where Jackson had come home from school and he was telling me a story about something that had happened and... I really was not listening to him, to be honest. Like, uh-huh. he was talking, and I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, okay, buddy, yeah, yeah, okay, buddy. And he had asked me a question in the midst of telling the story. And uh-huh. I was like, what'd you say, buddy? And he's like, but mommy, I told you the whole story. And I was just like, okay, tell me the story again. So you a bad mom. And then he tells me the story. <laughs> and then I'm he joking. tells me the story again. 
And I still wasn't listening to him. What were you doing? I, I was probably in the middle of having to post something. And, you know, I was See? doing something, answering an email. Mm-mm. And at that moment, he was like, forget it, mommy. You're not even listening to me. And he walked away. See? Like instant See? race car cry. See? I was so sad. I was like, what am I doing? You do that to me all the time. And when what? I tell you that, you don't ever care. That's not true. That is true. But that's that's a good way the, the kids have changed you. That's a good way. You learn to listen. Uh-huh. You know how many times I told you stuff Shut and up, after you like, you ain't never say that. Shut you up. You ain't never say that. You don't I'm be gonna listening. I'm going to start keeping receipts with you because I'll be telling keep you stuff the receipts. all the time. I'm keeping mine. I'll be telling you stuff I'm all keeping my receipts. the time. And I was like, you never told me that, Kay. You never told me that, Kay. The same way you don't Lies. never check our calendar. What was the, the whole point Lies. of syncing a calendar if you're not going to look at the calendar? Why I got to sync at the calendar when I can ask you what I got to do? I got too Lies. much stuff to remember. You're so annoying. Anyway, I felt so badly in that moment. I was like, I was not even listening to this baby because why? We were all just consumed with my phone with mm-hmm. something that probably could have waited while he told me the five minute story that he had to tell me. Well, maybe like six or seven because he'd be taking so long to get these stories out sometimes. I'm like, Jackson, you tell stories just like my brother-in-law, Brian, <laughs> the worst storyteller ever in life. Um, but yeah, so that had me thinking like, yo, I need to be way more present in the household, present in the moment. That's why sometimes too, you'll be like, oh, I posted the video. Did you see it? And I'm like, no, I didn't see because I'm literally trying to live in the moment with the kids. And I want to enjoy those moments because they right. grow so fast. Like people say it all the time and it just sounds like, oh yeah, kids grow fast. No, they legitimately grow fast. And I want to be more involved and more invested in those moments and take the time, which we've consciously done now, even doing social media work where, okay, we'll record for a couple minutes and then we'll put the phones away just to make sure that the kids are not going to be you know, feeling like the camera's always in their face, for example, or that we're just not listening to them and what they right. need. Um, so, yeah, that's one thing that I definitely had taken away from my experiences so far, even with Jackson and the kids, is just really enjoying that time with them. Well, one thing I'll say the way the kids have changed my life. Number two? Yes, number you two. You have another one? Yes, I have another one. Mm-hmm. The way the kids have changed my life, man. Um, They have taught me how to... Accept sex, <laughs> whichever way I can get it, however way I can you get it. You know what's funny? I was thinking, this. I thought about the pantry. I'm not, I'm not even talking about, I'm talking about the other day with, with Cairo. <laughs> oh. When I'm tr- I'm trying to get the quickie and it's the middle of the day. Yeah. Me and Kay haven't done it in a minute. It's the middle of the day. And dude just keep coming in the bedroom. <laughs> So I'm giving him stuff to give to Jackson. Like, and I'm like, hey, about hey, giving him hey tasks. Give, this, give this to your brother right now and stay in the living room. Do not come back. Go in the living room right now. So then I give oh him something God. and I'm, I'm starting to get into my groove. I'm getting into my groove and then boom, door bust busts the door open. Again. I'm like, hey, didn't I tell you to give? Didn't I? He's like, I gave it already. <laughs> so I'm like, yo, here, you see, you see this? Give the remote. Right. Count, go to your brother. And count to 100. Go sing your ABCs Go count like to 100 right now. <laughs> and then I hear him. I hear him going there, and he's in there, and he's just like, one, two. And then Jackson's just like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "Daddy said count." And then Jackson's like, "They're probably doing things." <laughs> and I'm like, "Okay, we gotta hurry up because if Jackson realizes what we're doing, he's about to bust in this motherfucker he right now." Bust through this so- door and be like, "Guys, I'm going to Best Buy and I'm getting y'all a TV because y'all are bored." <laughs> right. So- so Kay's like, well, then hurry up, then hurry up. Then I'm like, fine, fine, fine. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And the thing is- You we, can't even concentrate. We can't concentrate. Like, I'm like, devout. seriously? I got one pant leg off, one pant leg on. I got the, the blanket wrapped around half my thigh. 
And like I'm I'm doing it and I'm staring right at the door the whole time. Like I'm just doing it and staring at the door. That just goes to show how the male and female body is different. Cause I can't even function and concentrate, but he can still do this <laughs> with all the other things I'm a pro. going on. I'm a pro. All right. Oh I'm a pro. my god. But that's I've, that's the, the kids have trained me to be like, you know what? If, yeah. if it's gonna take this uh two two minute quickie to get this in, <laughs> I'm gonna have to do it because shit. If somebody else walk in this room. Oh, <laughs> What's number two for goodness. you? Goodness. Um, number two with how the children is they've really made me hold myself way more accountable when it comes to getting stuff done because I think I told y'all before, I am such a procrastinator. I be waiting yes. till the last minute to do a lot of things all the yes. time. Though I will say, like I said, my best work is when it's, you know, last minute. But no, with kids it's it's totally different because, you know, they will call you on your shit. Yeah. And be like, Ma, you said, you said that you, you were going to do, do yeah. X, Y, Z. And I'll be like, damn, I did say that. You know, so making sure that I am uh, getting things done and I'm cognizant of what I say and I am holding myself accountable when Jackson will hold me accountable to and be like, girl, yes. you have to get it done. Um, and that makes me more efficient, I think, just as a person in general. And I, it forces me to kind of stay on track with things and get things done uh, more efficiently. So um, that's definitely another way that parenthood had helped me because I, honestly, they are de- everything is depending on us. Yes. So if I can't, you know, get my stuff together, then what exactly are we doing here? So the last and final way that my children have changed me for the better, my children have showed me how much I've forgotten throughout life that I need to know. For example, Common Core Mathematics. <laughs> Sit down with a second grader and try to do that homework. Throw yo. all that shit away. Sit, Throw it sit, all away. Sit down with him and try to do his homework. You gonna be you gonna be one to slap the shit out of his teacher, and you gonna be like, why, what, like, what, why don't I know this? Like, oh, perfect example. Jackson asked me the other day. He comes to me very studious. Dom, um, uh, daddy, we don't have a globe in the house. And I'm just like, no, we don't. He's like, why don't we have a globe? I'm like, I don't know, Jackson. Where you plan on going? All right, you go to school and you come home. What do you need a globe for? He's like, well, my homework says I need to know where the prime meridian is. Where's the prime meridian? I'm like, shit. We, we, I had to ain't know that a this. restaurant? No. The, oh, the my prime God. Meridian. Oh, my. This is why you don't help is him. Is that a cut of steak? With no. Something like this that. This is why you don't help him with no homework. I feel like it's a steak with like a certain kind of sauce. No, it's the, prime the, meridian, it's the line that divides the globe in half vertically. Uh, something like so that. So you have I the equator and then you have the prime, the meridian. prime meridian. And the only reason why I, I know this is because I slowly on the side Googled that shit <laughs> while I was deflecting him. From asking for expecting the answer right away. And I was like, you know what? It's, it's sad. You was in school all day, right? And you don't know what the prime meridian is. So he was just like, what? I said, don't you know what you do? I need you to go over there right now and think about what the prime. I'm going to give you 30 seconds. And on my right hand, I'm like over here like, where is the prime meridian? And I'm like, go over there for 30 seconds and think about where the prime meridian is. So then he looked confused and he turned around. And he's like, prime meridian, prime meridian. So then I saw it and I Googled it. And it's right off the tip of Africa. And it crosses right by the equator, right underneath that little cup of Africa. And then when mm-hmm. he came back, he was like, you know what? It's sad. I was like, you know what? It's sad, Jackson. You don't know that the prime meridian and the equator cross right by Africa because you black and you part African. <laughs> Know your roots. That's what Jackson. I told him. Know your roots. Know now go your finish roots. your homework. Go f- and you better be paying attention in school and stop listening to these kids talking about why they ain't no Santa Claus. 
I flipped that whole shit. I flip, that's what you do as a parent. You, I flipped that whole shit. And now he's like, my dad, mad smart. He knew all that. And he knew that Santa Claus is You're lucky real. I wasn't there because I'd be like, let's plan a family trip <laughs> to the Prime Meridian. Where's that at? You know, like, I'm always looking for a vacay. I know. Now give me all the things. It's in the middle of the all ocean. Of it. It's in oh, the middle it? of the ocean. Oh. Yeah, see? See? <laughs> Damn. All right. So we're going to get on a yacht <laughs> off the coast of so Africa. It's going to cost me money. And we're going to be right in or on the prime of meridian. Whatever your ideas go. are, always. Cost I mean, the me closer money. to the equator I am, the better my tan is. So. Oh gosh. So. So vain. And I think, lastly, my children have shown me that I have a strength that I did not know I had. Yes, you do. If anybody told me that I was gonna get a midwife, have a baby in my house, that you were gonna help me flip the baby in utero because remember at one yeah. point Kaz yeah, was you down, facing yeah. the wrong way and my midwife was like listen I'm going to give y'all some exercises to uh, do yeah, yeah. and this baby is going to flip by the grace of God and he sure did like like she said she knew my body down to a T which was amazing and I had this baby at home in our ba- in a, in a pool in our room with our family and friends around. You did and we that. We were able to document it. You had did you that. told me that before I would have been like hell to the naw. Um, but you find a strength that you thought you like you never would have imagined when you have children and you continue to remind yourself about the badass that you were when you have those kids to then say you know what I can do almost anything as a mom as a woman as a wife anything talk about it. I don't even got nothing to say about that that's the truth I've seen you do some some things in the last 10 years as a as a husband and I'm I'm just proud of you I feel like my children changed me for the better. Mm-hmm. They changed me. For, because You know why? Because children are unapologetic. Really? Yes. They are as raw as they come. Yes. They are super honest. Yes. They're little sponges. Yes. They pick up everything. Yes. They pick up germs. And they say <laughs> everything. They How do. they feeling. They do. They say. I think there's a lot to learn from kids in that circumstance. Like communicating effectively. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell me, when I first told you about Jackson, being pregnant with Jackson, rather, because we had just gotten married, we were on our honeymoon in Jamaica, Mm -hmm. and came back as three. What went through your head when I was like, babe, we're about to be parents? I hope it's a boy. (laughs) That's the first thing that came to my mind. I hope it's a boy. I just want someone to to pass off the Ella's name to. I want somebody that, that can... I can just do all the things that I wanted to do as a as a as a young kid and a man. I wanted to be able to just pass it on to him. So that was my first thing is I hope it's a boy. I thought the opposite. I yeah. was like, I want this baby to be healthy, please Lord. I thank you for this blessing and I need this baby to be healthy because it's different as a woman carrying a child. I can you that. don't want your body to do anything but nurture and and grow this baby to be a healthy human being, girl or right. boy. So when people say, "Oh, you want a girl or boy? Oh, I want a healthy baby." It's not cliché at all. No, it's not. It's it not. is legitimate. Like you are just hoping to do every single right thing because you feel like from that moment of conception, you want to do every single thing in your power to ensure that you're doing every single thing right. Every doctor for trip. this child. Every doctor's trip was like a let's you know let's make sure everything's good. And I remember Absolutely. one of the first doctor's trips to Sonogram was like, well, his foot seems to be a little off. May have a clubbed foot. Yeah, this was at our five month anatomy sonar. Right. So and, and then they showed and we found us out the Jackson foot. Jackson had a clubbed foot, and it was severely clubbed. Right. And you know, my first thing as a dad, 
and this is full transparency as a dad, you like, I want my son to be a beast athlete. You know, I, I'm an athlete and retired NFL athlete. My son has to be an athlete. Mm-hmm. He has to be big, strong, fast. He has to be able to compete. So now you find out that he may be born with what may be a disability, depending on the severity of the club foot. Right. Your first thing is like, man, like, all right, well, you know, we're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to get through this. Like, we're going to find a way. I asked the doctor immediately, like, you know, well, what does that mean? Right. And, and, and me, I begin to backtrack and I'm just like, what did I do that right. caused my baby to have a club foot? Like, right. did I sleep wrong? Or, right. You know what I mean? Did I not take my prenatals as early as I thought I should? So, so many did things Did you boil the into- baby? One time she thought she boiled the baby. She got in the bathtub. <laughs> this is when I was pregnant with Cairo, y'all. I thought Yo. that, you know, I took a bath because my body just felt so achy. Mm-hmm. I was maybe four or five months pregnant. And I normally take a really hot bath or a really hot shower. So I got into the tub and I'm relaxing in the tub for maybe like about 10, 15 minutes. The water was super hot. I got out. My stomach felt a little weird. So I'm in the bedroom and trying to hold it together because now my ass jumped on Google, which I always do. I was about to say, she does what everybody does when something happens. They Google it. I Google it. WebMD. WebMD. I'm doing all sorts of shit. When they tell you, oh, you have this, this, that, and wrong, oh, you know, you're probably going to Everything. You're probably going to die. Yes, yeah, so she thinks she's going to die. That's what she thought. So I'm in the bed after Google and DeVal comes home from work and he walks into the bedroom and he's like, I'm sure you can instantly tell something was wrong with you. Yeah, because you're laying on the bed face. holding your stomach naked. <laughs> she's just naked on the bed holding her stomach with this shit face on. Like, mm. Yeah. And I'm and like, what's like, wrong what with happened? you? And I was like, I think I boiled the baby. <laughs> I'm like, what? She's like, I don't feel good. I took a bath and I went online and they I said you shouldn't take baths. I think the bath was too hot. I literally like proceeded to get a thermometer and like put it in the bath water to see what temperature it was at. But like, no. All sorts of crazy shit <laughs> was happening. Me. This is how crazy she got. She refilled the bathtub with what she assumed was yep. the temperature she first sat in. So that in itself was just not accurate. Crazy. Let me just refill the crazy. bathtub. She got a thermometer, put the thermometer in the water. And I was like, you see? You see? <laughs> I was taking my body temperature. I was like, I was my like, body temperature is going to cool off, but the baby doesn't know how to cool off. <laughs> it was, was all sorts of stuff so I was going me, through. I'm being my normal self. And I'm like, you're right. You need to put some ice cubes up there. <laughs> She's like, shut up, Deval. Yeah, and I'm like, well, you need to, to relax. I'm like, you need to relax. And of course, you know, I page my doctor and she's like, no, Karina, I think you'll be fine. And right. I'm like, okay. She's like, you weren't in a jacuzzi tub for a long period of time. So I'm like, all right, right. fine. But that just goes to say when you, you're pregnant for the first time, there's so many different variables or that go through your time, head. Or the second time, because that was Cairo. Right. Or the second, um, any pregnancy. Let's right. put that out there. Um, but, you know, planning to have children, was it intentional for each child? Jackson was definitely intentional. I mean, at that so point, we had been dating and we were married. Um, so we knew on the honeymoon we wanted to try. And sometimes it happens quickly for couples. Sometimes mm. it doesn't. So we were kind of like, all right, well, let's just get off birth control and see what happens. And it happened, just boom. like that, it happened. Boom. And we were pregnant with boom. Jackson. Shooters keep shooting. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Call me Steph Curry. I'm out here just raining you threes. Know, buckets, you know, Bucket swish. Cairo was actually planned as well. Yeah. But the difference between the two was that Cairo wasn't happening as fast. Right. So I, you know, being a woman, you understand your body, you know, you kind of have that gut feeling when something is not right. And I had gotten my IUD taken out and I was like, all right, we're going to try for this second baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we were trying for a couple months and nothing was happening. So seeing as though Jackson happened so quickly, I was like, well, something is going wrong. Why am I not being getting pregnant? And me being who I am, just like, it's not that big a deal. Let's just keep trying. Like, yeah. Because for Deval, I was just like, well, we're just going to keep having more sex. That's just all that means. And I was like, <laughs> no, I legitimately feel like something is wrong here. Um, so unbeknownst to 
DeVal. I called my doctor and I was like, girl, here's the 411. We've been trying since May, I think, at that point. Yeah. And it was November. And I was like, nothing's happening. And she's like, well, let's just do some investigation. We'll start the first round of what happens when someone suspects that they're not fertile anymore. Right. So I went in for an exam called an HCG. And that's when they pretty much lay you down. You're awake during the procedure. You have an x-ray machine over your uterus and they pump dye into you. So once the dye goes in, it kind of illuminates on the screen so you can see how the dye is flowing and it checks for any blockage, scar tissues, things like that. And I'm loosely telling you guys, I'm no medical professional, but I'm loosely telling you my understanding of what it was and what I experienced. So we can see the dye going through. And it gets through to my fallopian tubes and one tube, it was slowly kind of trickling through. I think it was on the right side, but on the left side, we realized I had blockage. Right. So that was probably a lot of the reason why, depending on what side I was ovulating on, the sperm was not able to get through. Right. And at that point, the doctor said to me, you know, Miss Ellis, what I can do is try to flush your tubes. I'm going to give a nice forceful push, which was super painful. (laughs) You don't even have a uterus, but you feel it, right? My uterus hurt. You know? My man uterus hurt. (laughs) So he pumped the dye through like a really forceful gush. The pain was excruciating. It was like severe cramping. Um, But then we saw the dye flush right through the tubes. And at that point, I was like, thank God. I was praying so hard. I was like, please, I need this to work. Yo, women put put up with a lot. We yo. sure like, do. Yo, yo, we, yo. Let, me, let me tell you something, gentlemen. And, and I've watched my wife give birth three times. And men always ask me, you know, like when we talk about the sex stuff, like, you know, how is it with you and your girl, man, with sex? I said, this is, I'm going to tell you why. Watch your women go through what it takes to produce a child. Mm-hmm. Have have a baby, uh, nurse a baby, deliver a child, prepare for her reproductive organs. I watched Kay go through some stuff over the last 10 years, which makes it a little bit easier for me to say, you know what? She don't feel like having sex tonight. I can rock with it. Right. Because I ain't never had my tubes flushed. I've never <laughs> been lacerated in my cervix 24 <laughs> inches. I never had to yeah. almost get a blood transfusion after my first child. Yeah. I never had to get an epidural. I, like, like there was so many, there's so many things that women go through with this whole process that it makes you respect where they are with their bodies when they say they don't want to have sex at a certain point. And this is the truth, guys. To be 100% mm-hmm. honest... It's easy for me to say, you know, we don't have sex. All right, I could rock with it right. because of because, this. And nothing changes for the guys. Like, nothing changes for y'all. Nothing. No, nothing and there's changes. so many things that change for us. And, you know, once I left that doctor's appointment and he flushed my tubes, he literally looked at me and he was like, congratulations, Miss Ellis. He's like, you'll be pregnant in like a week or so. He was like, give yourself 24 hours and go for it. And I was like, all right, thanks. I'll give it a try. And it was like Drano up in them tubes, let me tell you, because <laughs> I well, I told the Val he said 48 hours because I knew he's going to be ready to jump my bones after 24, so I wanted to give myself an extra rest day. She's been lying. You so realize she's been lying about the whole story. <laughs> Unbeknownst to the Val, I called my doctor. <laughs> he said 24. I told the Val 48. Well, yeah, no. I called my doctor because I'm like, I know my body. Something is not right. And then this doctor told me to wait 24 hours. I waited 48. And literally, we were out at a New Year's party. I had the procedure on the 2nd of January, yeah. and I was probably pregnant with, pregnant with Cairo by January 4th, yes. like legitimately. That fast. That fast it happened. So shout out to that doctor who did my exam for me and to my doctor and who held my hand through that procedure. It's important to say, especially in our community, go to the doctor. If you feel like something is not right, go see a doctor. Absolutely. You don't have to say, oh, you know, I, okay, I'm, I'm probably going to get some... 
slack for this, but, oh, we'll pray on it. No, there are medical professionals who know these things that can help you. Absolutely. And guess what? God created the medical professionals. Absolutely. So you can pray on it so and then go to the in doctor. In conjunction with... <laughs> Because if God we hadn't gone to the table, doctor, bringing the whole way through that procedure, so right. And if and, and if we twisted. hadn't gone to the doctor, we wouldn't have our last two because no, the blockage came from mucus that developed Potential over mucus. time. I don't know exactly yeah. what Potential it was, mucus. but yeah, but, um, any it blockage wouldn't, have, it wouldn't happen. have happened. No, it wouldn't have happened in that circumstance. So, um, so yeah, and also to making sure that you are having a doctor who will be an advocate for you and will listen to you, which is extremely important, especially for women of color who are having children. Yes, who are having you know pregnancies and childbirth. There are two many black and brown women dying during childbirth and pregnancy and that is an issue and my midwife and I talk about it all the time and I need to have her on the show part of the reason why we ended up having a home birth with Kaz was because we almost lost Kadeen with Jackson she was lacerated and she was bleeding out when Jackson was born, mm-hmm. the epidural, she got stuck three times with the epidural in the hospital. It was a bad epidural job and everything. And she thank God feel for my anything. doctor, you know, rushing me into surgery. I had yeah. to get like 27 stitches in my cervix. It was crazy. It was crazy. And that might be low-key in part why we had waited so long between Cairo and Jackson. Yeah, Other it was than, a lot. I'm not going to lie. I, yeah. I, as a husband, after Jackson came out fine and, and Kay was fine, I did at one point say to myself, like, I am not having no more yeah. kids. Like, if, if that's what it is where I might have almost lost my partner. I'm like, nah, I'm not with it. Like, we we good here. First of all, the epidural scared me mm-hmm. because she had to get stuck three times. And, you know, they always have these stories about when women say something don't feel right and the doctor is always just like, no, you did something else. We went through that. Yeah. The woman stuck Kadeen. She's like, you moved. And I was like, yo, she didn't move. Mm-hmm. Also, gentlemen, you have to be involved with this process. I was there next to Kadeen when just when they they. they Took Jackson out. They rushed Jackson because he had the club foot. They rushed Jackson out. And Kadena's sitting there and she's fading in and out. And I'm like, yo, everybody left the room. And it's just me and Kadeen. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how you feeling, babe? She's like, uh-huh. Right. And I'm like, yo, you all right? You all right? Yep. Well, I go down to the bottom to see if everything's all right. And she was bleeding out. Had I not gone down there to check and then say, ma, can you come yeah, look at this? exactly. And I called my doctor over real quick and everything. And, and she was on it. She, she was like, on it. She was on it. But had it. I not called her mom and her mom not being a nurse, look down there and say something doesn't look right, mm-hmm. everybody was gone. Mm-hmm. And it's important that, you know, as a man, you, you make sure that your woman is good. Mm-hmm. And if she says she's not good, you flip over every table in that hospital until somebody lists, say, yo, my wife or my girlfriend says she's not good. Somebody better come in here. Yep. Because that's, that's so was... You have to be your own advocate. You have to be your own advocate. Um, but preparing for Jackson versus preparing for like Cairo and then Kaz, who kind of came out of nowhere yeah, on the first back two, to back. The first two were You know, planned. the first child, you're always extra prepared for, I feel like. Even just down to like the registry and having a shower. Like we got so much love and so much support from family and friends. And right. you, you're kind of over prepared right. for that child, you know, making sure you have every single baby item. And right now it's insane to see the baby market and how many contractions yeah. are out there for kids. Um, but aside from just those, you know, material things, you want to make sure that you as a parent are on the same accord or as a potential parent with your spouse, you know, or if you're co-parenting with someone, you right. both have to be on the same accord about what kind of values you're instilling in your children, your parenting styles and how it may be different. How you were raised then can impact you being a parent to your children or yes. raising boys versus girls. Like there's so many different things that go into being a parent. And I feel like with Jackson, you know, we definitely had conversations about what we wanted for our children in terms of like, you know, type of schooling or 
you know, core values and morals and sharpening that moral compass that your children are going to have. Those are conversations that Deval and I had early on. So we were kind of on the same accord, even though our parenting styles tend to be a bit different at times. Yeah, I mean, our, our parenting styles were different. But you know what changes every time we have a child also is is socioeconomic situation. We were in a completely mm-hmm. different space when we had Jackson than when we had Cairo. And then even when we had Cass. Also, you learn so much from having one child to the next right. that you become a little bit more prepared without having to prepare. Right. You know, like, for example, with Jackson, we didn't have any baby stuff. You know, we had a room for him, so we had a baby shower. Our families helped, and we had an abundance of things, but we had two and three and four of things that we didn't need. Then we learned early with Jackson that kids grow so fast that you have so many two-month-old clothes, and now it's four months, and he didn't wear anything because you don't take the baby anywhere. Right. So we learned how to manipulate what we needed as opposed to what we wanted. In turn, saving money too. Right, saving money. And also because we we were in different phases in lives, like of course when we had Cairo, it was five years later, we had more money. Mm -hmm. So we were able to to do a little bit more and plan better. And then when we had Kaz, it was immediately 15 months later. So everything we had from Cairo, we just used for Kaz because they were both boys. Right, poor Kaz. Like Kaz got got everybody's hand-me-downs and everything. No, no poor Kaz. Yeah, well, he he had all of the stuff that Cairo didn't even wear. That's true. Because we did have a lot of things we had that a had bunch of stuff that I wouldn't wear. Like right. it's, it's not poor cats. I feel I know poor I know. whoever's a child who doesn't have anything. Right. But this kid had all of the stuff that Cairo never used. Absolutely. And I'm very very conscious about when our babies outgrow things, um, whether it's appliances or you know things. I'm passing it down to the next mom who may need it. You know, like things are never just going you know in the garbage. Like right. we're always recycling because someone can always benefit from that. Um, but preparing the, is different for every child depending on where you are financially. Right. And what number the child is also which sex the child is. So things are very different. And also, too, I feel like um, being able to juggle the children where everyone feels like they get their time is always something that we kind of struggle with, but we are cognizant of because you never want one child to feel like, you know, for example, you hear about the middle child syndrome that always happens. And I always say Cairo will be the middle child, like no middle child left behind. (laughs) Because no middle child, you know, I, I hear from people that, that say like, "Oh, I'm a middle child," and I felt like I was overlooked. And I feel like it's funny the dynamics of our children and their personalities. Because Cairo's personality as our middle child, he is so vibrant he and so full of life, be and so demanding that he's gonna be like, "I'll be damned if y'all overlook me," because this is right. what's happening. You know, if there was anybody I was concerned about, it was Jackson. Yeah. Because we went from Cairo right to Cass. Mm-hmm. And that was a lot of time that is you, you have to spend with two kids. They're almost Absolutely. like twins. So you get one, I get one. And right. then there's Jackson. There's Jackson. And we, Jackson was by himself needy. for so long. So yeah. Jackson was getting it from everybody. Like he was the, the only yeah. nephew and grandchild on my side. You know, on your side of, of family too, he was like the, the next grandchild, you know, after right. our, your, your brother's daughter. But then, but then but, Aiden came right after Oh, Jackson, so he he could share that. And the thing is, Jackson's personality is very different. Yeah, you know, he's a very giving soul. Right. So I don't think he was fighting for attention from an, anyone. Right. But what you did that I learned very quickly was you made sure that everybody got a day. Yeah. So for example, Kay plans a day where both the youngest kids, Kyra and Kaz, are with her mom, and we just take Jackson for the whole day. Right. Then there's a day where Jackson is with. My brother, and then Kaz is with her mom, and then Cairo gets his own day right. with mommy and daddy. And we try to rotate so that they never feel like 
I always have to do stuff with my brothers. Right, right, right. Because that mommy guilt, I mean, it's it's a bitch. Like I, what is mommy guilt? What is that? Mommy guilt is when you feel like you are never doing enough for each child or even your husband. You know, mm-hmm. I have the mommy and the wife guilt all the time. And then I start to feel the guilt for Kadeem guilt. Like, where does Kadeem fall in this whole mix of being Kadeem the individual who is not the mom and the wife? Well, I mean, I that feel like I do. Too. I feel like I do a good job of saying, babe, you need some time. Let me you just do. take the kids. Devon, it's you know? literally like a tag team here. Like, it's like wrestling. I'm like, yo, tag me out. Tag me in. Like, yeah. when we can tell when the other needs some time. So sometimes right. I'll take all three kids and I'll either, like, go do an activity with them or go to a family member. So Devon yeah. can just take time, whether it's to sleep, to, to think, you know, to take a shit in peace. Like, you, sometimes you just sometimes need you that. Sometimes you just need that. You definitely just need that. And your parents and, and your parents and my brother and my parents, we have a very strong village of oh, people man. who are willing to take our Absolutely. children. Absolutely. Like, we could not do any of this without the family dead that ass. we have. Like, like, de- dead ass. We could not do anything without having a village, it. It's was, it was almost impossible. Yeah. And having yeah. the village and somewhere to dump our kids, let's talk about <laughs> keeping the romance and, like, quality time going with kids. Um, because it's hard. Like, you get wrapped up in being working parents, and then this you is, know, I still this is love what I was saying. Every now and again. This is what, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> this is what I would say. Your mom mm-hmm. is the best oh, with knowing God. that kids, you guys need your time. She Bring does. Bring my boys, and you guys go every Friday yep. into Saturday. Non-stop. We know for a fact. That we can drop the boys yep. to Mimi's house. Absolutely. Like, we know that every Friday. If she, she don't get them for a Friday, right. she's like, well, well, She's happened? ringing down my well, phone. Well, well, and my, I'll be like, boys. Ma, I wanted to have my boys this weekend. Like, right. can we not have our children every now and again? Yeah. Yeah, she literally thinks that I was the surrogate and she's the mom. Yeah. <laughs> but she, I appreciate that. She does, though. I definitely appreciate that. But and you know, but what I would say is, is very important. Um, we as people work, right? We work. And if you don't have a village... Mm-hmm. Sometimes people are so concerned with trying to prepare the best life for their children that they don't realize that as a parent, you have to prepare the best life for yourself before the children. Think about it. When That's you're on true. the airplane, you put the oxygen mask on yourself first, then on the child. True. Some of the monies you have should be invested in helping you and your spouse, your girlfriend, or your significant other have that time so that you don't lose sight and don't lose each other and focus just on the kids because they're going to sense that. Right. So you have to put some some of that money aside and say, you know what? We need a babysitter for three or four hours every Friday. Mm-hmm. Let's put some money aside. In the budget. So in the budget so that we know, you know what? We got a babysitter for these three or four hours. Let's mommy and daddy go out and do what we do so that we can keep that romance going. You have to find a way because that is important for your mental health. Mm-hmm. And that's just important for your ability to kind of regroup and dive back into your children when evening. Absolutely. I, I'm all for that. And that's something that we exercise all the time. You know, yeah. And also talking about building the legacy and making sure that, like you said, we put our oxygen masks on first to make sure we're you know, being able to generate income and sustain the family and build a legacy that we want for our boys. It's very necessary to have the time away to be able to do that. Yes. Knowing that you're going to put the work in now. You may not see the kids, you know, for a day or two on the weekends. Yes. But everything that we're doing, every time we travel, every mm-hmm. event that we do... The kids are literally at the root of it. Yes. You know, even with Dal opening the new business, owning partnership in a gym, like he's just like, man, sometimes I just hate having to go there and deal with these emails and and deal with, you know, the, 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 the work behind it. But he's he'll say, it, but I'm doing this for our boys. Yeah, it's creating a foundation. Pretty much it's just creating a foundation. It's very necessary. In the last 10 years, as a, as a husband, I'm, I'm just proud of you. 
Like I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you. And I'm proud I'm, of you too. We, we've made it through this whole parent thing, kind yeah. of just winging it, yeah. which you tend to do usually too with your first child. It's like you, they're kind of like this like experiment, <laughs> you know? Right, right, right. I, I was an experiment for my parents. You were an experiment I was for an experiment. yours. And we didn't turn out half bad. But also too, as a parent, th- no parenting style is the same for nah. each child. You have to curtail your, oh, your yeah. parenting skills. Yeah. Depending on the child, yeah. the same way, not everyone learns the same way. Everyone learns differently. Yeah. You know, you may have somebody who is more of a traditional style learner versus a progressive learner. So like those maybe, are things that we had to research as parents. Like, do you want your child to go to a progressive school versus a traditional school? And everything is different depending on the child. Yo, I don't think there's a right and wrong, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just want to know why. Right. I don't I don't ever look at my parents and be like, you know, like, damn, like, like you shouldn't have done that. Because I, right. I, I would never say to my parents, you shouldn't have done that. Right. Because there's no not. way they could have known. They the same way when that. I look at some of the stuff I did with Jackson mm-hmm. and I say, I shouldn't have done that. You mm-hmm. know, as hard as I was on him at two and three and four, thinking that he was supposed to be at a different point. Mm-hmm. And then now I have two younger sons and right. they get away with more than what Jackson got away with. Because I'm like, they're two, they're right. three. They'll get over it. Right. And I know Jackson's going to probably look at me and be like, yo, you acting totally different. different bruh. He is, because I did the same thing that. with my parents. Yeah, so. absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. So, yeah, to, to answer that, I mean, we're still adjusting to change. Every day absolutely. is a different experience. Every child is different. Every day is different. The circumstance is different. Yes. Um, and we just kind of roll with the punches. So there's there's no recipe. There's no book for this. No. Nah, and I know it's going to be different. do what works for you. As they go from being toddlers to children to pre-adolescents, to adolescents, to mm-hmm. young adults. There's going to be so many different changes. Technology is going to change. Absolutely. Uh, socioeconomically, we're going to change. So mm-hmm. you think about the the six to seven year difference between Jackson and Kaz. And I know we went through this in my home. Jackson is not going to get things that Kaz at his age is probably going to get. Going to get. Right. And I, I experienced that with, with my sister because I was the oldest and I'm 10 years older than her. Mm-hmm. So my first car was... Uh, 1989 oh, yeah. Cougar. Max- no, no, no. no, not oh, even Maxine. Even? I had a 1989 Cougar. It cost my father twelve hundred dollars. Nice. It was it was the oldest car I ever seen in my <laughs> life, and I I loved it because and you were appreciative. I was appreciative, like, yeah, was because this was ride. my car. My yes. first of all, it wasn't even my car. My father bought it as a run around car, oh. and he let me drive it to school. Right. So he was just like, "Yo, this is yours whenever you want to drive." So I was appreciative of it. My that, first, uh, yeah, because you think about your peers at school. Some of them were probably just still taking the. Bus Taking a bus, they yeah. Didn't even have a car. So I was appreciative yeah. of it, and right. I was just like, "Yo, that's that's dope." My pops did that for me. Then when I turned eighteen, he bought me a nineteen eighty nine Nissan Maxima. This mm-hmm. was in two thousand two. Yes, I remember Maxine. You remember Maxine? Yes. I had the black rims with the gold, pimped uh, with out the, with the uh, chrome lip. Mm-hmm. I had the sound system, but then my sister's first car was a sixty thousand dollar. Acura TL, mm-hmm. brand new, mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, goddamn, like <laughs> <laughs> my car costs fifteen hundred dollars. Moving on up, but, you know. Her, but her, she is also the baby girl, so she you is, know. She is, and that was ten that years goes. later. My parents were in a, a different situation. You know, mm-hmm. they had just purchased a home. Right. They were preparing for me to go to college. And they were doing better, which you right. want every family. Like, exactly. Everybody's supposed to be doing exactly. better. Everybody's so, supposed to be doing better. Yeah. So what I what I'm going to do, learning from my parents, is I'm not going to try to keep my kids up. On what everyone else is doing. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to give my kids the worst shit ever. This way, they all appreciate it. So Jackson going to get a 1989 Maxima. 
Well, not then, 89 now. We then Kaz is going to get a 1989 Maxima. <laughs> so that they could both be like, we both had 1989 Maxima. We both Maximas. had shitty ass cars. You see what I'm saying? To begin with. And I'm going to tell them, if you want a better car, get a job. Go work for that. Go get a job. There you go. We're going to take a quick break and get into some ads, but we'll be right back helping to answer some of these listener letters. This for the record. There it is, a win for the ages. Tiger Woods is one of our most awe-inspiring sports icons. And his story, it comes with many chapters. I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior. But here it is. The return to glory. This is All-American, a new series from Stitcher, hosted by me, Jordan Bell. You realize Tiger Woods doesn't know who he is. Best in the history of golf. No question in my mind. And this season, with the help of journalist Albert Chen, we're asking. What if the story of Tiger Woods that the media has been telling, what if it's been completely wrong? All-American Tiger is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. All right, time for the listener letters. Let's see what y'all came up with. What, what questions are y'all throwing our way this time? Any advice for millennial newlyweds also expecting their first newborn? Help us, LOL. <laughs> okay, so here's... She needs help. Here's the first thing I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak to the, the gentleman. Mm-hmm. Understand that... Your, your life is going to change. As a husband, your wife is going to change. Her body is going to change. And don't expect that when the baby comes, things are going to get better. Because I know don't. during pregnancy, they automatically assume, oh, once the pregnancy is over and the baby comes, oh, it's going to be better. No, that's when shit really hits the fan. Mm-hmm. And not in a bad way, but that's when you're really going to both have to lean on each other. Mm-hmm. Especially if your wife or girlfriend decides that she's going to nurse. So now you're going to have another six months of her having to be up every two and a half hours. Right. And sleep deprivation is very real and it's going to create some emotional highs and lows. And as men, we have to know that we're going to have to help them cope through that. So just expect that once the baby comes, it's going to be great, but there's going to be a lot more to do for the next six to nine months. Absolutely. And I think for um, both the, the, the parents in this situation, lean on whatever help you get. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Yeah. But also, too, don't be afraid to ask for space because it being a first child, you're going to have a ton of family and oh, friends who yes. are going to want to be there. And, and, and their, their intentions are going to be great because they're going yes. to want to help and they're going to want to see the baby. But don't be afraid to take those first couple of days when you get home to just learn who this baby is yes. with you and your spouse or with you and your partner because that's very, very, very important. And then at that point, you know, you can say to your, your friends and family in the very beginning, you know, at this time we're just taking some time to enjoy the three of us. Right. And when we're accepting visitors, we'll let you all know because we know you're so excited that's to help so and to see the baby because it so can true. be overwhelming having the baby and then you're trying to figure out how to coexist with this new little life and you're, you're tired and you're moody and you're trying 
trying to recuperate and you're sore, you know, so it's really nice to be able to say, set those boundaries. Yeah, set the boundaries. Set the boundaries early, even before the baby comes. So no one feels no type of way. But if you do need the help, then you can tag in, you know, your mom or your mother-in-law or a friend or a sister who can then come in and help you. And don't be afraid to ask for that help and trust your maternal instinct. Trust what your your way of doing things. You know, you're going to get a ton of advice, but trust the way you feel is best for you and your child because naturally it's going to kick in and it may not right away because some women feel don't necessarily always feel the attachment right away to that baby but it'll come and and just and just know that the worst time is going to be that initial come homecoming right that's going to be where it's a little bit of it's a little bit of that that um not knowing that unsureness of like this is our new baby Mm -hmm. we're newlyweds that's going to be the hardest time, but it gets better every single day. And once you get into the groove, oh, yeah. you'll be fine. Be so, so don't panic that everything is changing initially because mm-hmm. everything changes initially. But that initial homecoming is the worst that it's going to feel. And mm-hmm. then it gets better as you get in the groove. So congratulations. Congratulations. And enjoy. And love up on that enjoy. baby. Enjoy. Be ready when it's it comes. Amazing. Have fun. Life changing. So yes. Deval, you want to go ahead and read that? Do you and Deval have the same parenting styles? If not... Is there a con- is there a conflict between the two? Um, I think we align with a lot of our parenting, you know, beliefs. Though our styles and our approaches are different, um, the beliefs are core beliefs. So yes. our way of achieving it may be different. Um, but I do look to and I lean on Deval a lot because you know him being a father, him being a man, having once been a boy. You right. know, my 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 strategy sometimes with dealing with just Jackson, for example, because he's a little older and of course we converse with him a lot more. Um, Deval normally will give me feedback, of course, outside of Jackson when it's just right. the two of us because we're right. always the united front. But he will let me know like, hey, I don't think your approach with this was right or I think you need to you know have the discussion a different way or you know don't just jump on him for that because boys tend to act like this you know those are things that I'm not going to know because again Jackson's my first child like we said it's a learning curve all the time and also too I'm only going based off of what I think is right or what may have worked for my family or for my parents and it may not necessarily be the best way to receive it on the child's end and I may have to do it different with Jackson and different with Cairo depending on the child so I lean on DeVal a lot um, and I think we're complimentary in that we kind of feed off of each other and we're not afraid to pull the other aside and say I think you should have done this differently right and and um, I, I have a little bit more experience with dealing with boys because I run a mentorship program for uh, young men ages six all the way through college so Jackson's at that point now where he's in that process you know he said he's eight now so I've been dealing with hundreds of young boys between six all the way to college. So I've kind of gotten into a rhythm of not only dealing with them on my own personal way, but also seeing how their fathers interact with them. So I think that I just have a little bit more experience of watching and being in that realm, especially with boys. So with Kadeen and I, we parent together. For me, I don't feel like there's a one parenting style or another. It's like, look, there's an issue. How are we going to address it? And when Kadeen says that sometimes she's approached the situation, Sometimes there's no way to have a parental caucus before you address a child if something is happening in real time. True. You know, if, if I'm not there and there's an issue with homework and Kadeen's there, she has to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And then we'll discuss later what happens. But what we both do, and it's not just Kadeen, I do this as well, we do a lot of self-reflection. And for me, I, I've come back to Kadeen sometimes. I say, you know what? I handled that wrong. 
You know, like I shouldn't, I, yeah, I shouldn't have, have said that. Like that. I shouldn't have done that. Right. And a lot of it is bouncing off of each other. I'll ask her sometimes. I'm like, do you think I was a little too hard? I was a little too soft. And sometimes she's like, yeah, or nah, I think you handled that the best way you can. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we, we do check in with each other on how we're going right. to deal with our children because we want them to respect the both of us, even if we're not in the room. So for example, I don't ever want it to be a thing where, well, devout, well, daddy's not here. So I know I can get over on mommy or mommy's not here. I know I can do this because daddy's watching us. So we definitely spend every night. And when I say every night, we spend every night kind of recapping what happened throughout the day. And what did you go through with the boys that we feel like we can fix or or change? No, absolutely. Um, And also, too, I feel like with with the children and with the parenting styles and things like that, it's important to when you feel like you have done something wrong or have made a decision that you think maybe wasn't the right approach with the child. We like to touch base with Jackson after. Yeah. I've apologized to Jackson. And this can also be my moment of truth. I'm going to put it in there. Don't be afraid to recap or to apologize to your children when necessary, because there's nothing worse than feeling like, you know, my parent got down on me about this. It wasn't necessarily the way I I would have expected them to handle it. And then you get upset at your parent for that. Does right. that make sense? No, no, it doesn't you know, make sense. And, and I feel like sense. even as an eight-year-old, he probably feels that way sometimes. Like, yeah. damn, you know, mommy did X, Y, Z, and I don't understand why it happened this way. So we are very vocal with our sons um, about why we parent the way we do, why we discipline them the way they are, right. we, the way we do. And um, I think every parent should, if you're wrong in the way you handle something, don't be afraid to then say to your child, you know what, mommy did not make the best decision or, you know, mommy apologizes for the way she handled that or right. mommy was upset in the moment and I should not have said X, Y, Z. Right. Um, and that, I think we should handle our children with that same kind of respect um, because then it keeps the line of communication open with our children. They're not going to be as afraid right. to say things to us or to tell us things. And you always want to make sure that they, they feel comfortable with that. So I that rolled into my moment of truth. What's your moment of truth? Well, great. I mean, uh, uh, I like the little segue you did there. It's cute, um, right? Thanks. Yes. <laughs> my my moment of truth is this. If you really want to parent and parent well, the first thing you need to do is look back into how you were parented and see how are you going to transfer what you've learned into what you plan to pass forward into your children. Yeah, totally and I think that. that it's important for people to do that because sometimes as people, we don't even know why we're parenting a certain way. It's just, hey, that's how I was taught. And one thing I, I always say to people is that using tradition as an excuse is an excuse for the lazy. Mm -hmm. Just because it was done that way doesn't mean it was always the The right right way. way. You have to learn why it was done that way, Mm -hmm. why it was done that way to you Mm -hmm. so that you have a a reason and a purposeful reason to do it to your children. Because it was within those circumstances at that time. Exactly. And, And I think that that's my moment of truth. You really want to be a good parent. Think about your parents. Think about why they made the decisions they made with you with your children, with, with your brothers and sister, if they had other children, mm-hmm. and figure out what's the best way to take that mix of parenting. Right. Of course, put it within the context that we live today. And don't be afraid to converse with your significant other about what mistakes you might or might not have made. I like that. I like it too, baby. I like it. I like and it. if you want to be featured as one of our listener letters, you can also email us at deadassadvice at gmail.com we love to get y'all's questions this is our favorite part absolutely 
Be sure to follow us on social media. That's I am Deval, I-A-M as in Mary, D-E-V-A-L-E. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate and subscribe. Exactly. And definitely give your reviews and follow me on social media, Kadeen I am. Deadass. Deadass. <laughs> Deadass is a production of Stitcher. It's produced by T-Square, Stephanie Kariuki, and Denora Pena. Our executive producer is Chris Bannon, and we'd like to give a special thanks to our recording engineer, Jared O'Connell, our sound designer, Brendan Burns, and studio manager, Ashley Warren. back. I'm Drew McGarry. And I'm David Roth. We have a podcast going on right now as part of the Stitcher Network called The Distraction. That's available everywhere you get your podcast at uh, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple. Go listen right now to The Distraction. Right now. It's out. Do it, please. <laughs>